Kickoff, episode 591 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear with the song The Grill Who Yelled at Me. It's from the album You Have to Be Quiet and Not Eat Things. It's from the band Hula Ghost. They're based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can find them at hulaghost.bandcamp.com. Also look up Hula Ghost on Instagram. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes, of course, but go check them out and let them know that you heard about them here on the podcast. When you're done listening, to this episode of the show. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I'm thrilled this week because I get to introduce you proper to somebody who's very, very important to me. I, you know, I've talked about her a lot lately on the show and on the stream and in person and to strangers on the street, okay, maybe not strangers on the street, but I do talk about her a lot because she's very important to me. Her name's Beth. She's my girlfriend. But the reason she's on the show this week is because we're going to be talking about Scaregrounds this year in Halloween in the Portland area. PDX Scaregrounds. It's happening again. It's the biggest walk-around haunt, I believe, in the Portland area. Go check them out at scaregroundspdx.com. Again, when you're done listening to this episode of the podcast, because Beth's going to tell us all about her involvement with Scaregrounds this year. She's one of the managers of one of the haunts at the event. There are three haunts, three actual attractions to walk through. It's a full-on Halloween theme park experience happening at the Oaks Park Amusement Park here in the Portland area. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Beth's background, some classic monster talk, a little bit about her background there and how she got into haunted houses. And then we're going to talk about what's happening this year at the haunt. I'm excited to share that conversation with you. I hope you dig it. I had a great time recording with her, not just, you know, because she's my girlfriend. I had a really good time chatting with her about it. And I'm just excited to kind of share this inside scoop of all things haunted houses with you. Also this week on the show, of course, we got Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review. And even though we're not talking about a specific movie, Kenny was still able to pull off a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. That's all coming up. Plus, we have a little bit of feedback I wanted to go over right now. It's time. It's time? Yes, it's time. It's It's time time for for Monster Monster Kid Kid Radio Radio Mail Call. Call. This email came in from uh, a listener. I'll just go ahead and read it here. I've become a big fan of your podcast and frequently listen to it while shooting stop motion sequences for my movies. It was particularly rewarding to listen to your Teenage Caveman episode with Joseph Schultz, whose views on practical effects in the digital age I could really relate to while animating two prehistoric mammals in combat. His remarks that with digital everything has to be planned so you never get the magic moments those serendipitous artifacts of the natural world were spot on. Great stuff. Thanks, Brett Piper. Brett Piper is a filmmaker. He's somebody that I've actually been aware of for a while now, even going back to the previous podcast that I used to do. I think it's great that Brett's listening. Brett, what's up, man? Want to be on the show? We'd love to have you on. Anyway, uh, thanks for writing in, Brett. And yeah, how cool is that? Also, listeners, if you haven't looked at Brett Piper's filmography, I got one word for you. I haven't seen the movie yet. I, I know I need to. But I got one word for you. Uh, it's under <laughs> Sharkenstein. No, he didn't do the direction on that one. He worked on the special effects. But still, I mean, come on. Sharkenstein? Okay, let's look at some of his other credits. Look, look at some of the uh, titles. Uh, as a director, Bacterium, Queen Crab, Triclops. Come on. Dude's one of us. So, seriously. 
Brett, thanks for writing in. I appreciate it. And I love talking to Joe. Joe's a great guy. He's a, he's a dear friend. Uh, he's somebody that I've known for years. Uh, and again, somebody I met through the podcast. So uh, really enjoyed having him on. I'm glad you enjoyed the conversation. And Brett, seriously, if you want to be on the show, drop me a line. We also received an email from Mike R. Mike is somebody who has been really helping us out with getting content at Monster Bash. I haven't been able to go to Monster Bash lately, and I don't know if I'll be going anytime soon just because of things. But that's not a slide on Monster Bash, by the way. Monster Bash is amazing. This is all strictly financial issues and, and health issues and all that. I mean, Mike is somebody who's been capturing all those recordings that we've been playing on the show, and he wrote in a little bit ago. I don't know how I missed this email. Did I even read this email on the show? I might have. In case I haven't, I'm going to read it again. Hey, Derek, I really enjoyed your podcast on Creature from the Haunted Sea. Just wanted to mention that a DVD put out by Retro Media has the movie with a great commentary by Anthony Carbone and Betsy Jones-Morland, conducted by Steve Latshaw. The DVD is the Roger Corman Puerto Rico trilogy, which also has a restored widescreen color version of Last Woman on Earth, also with a commentary by Anthony Carbone, Betsy Jones-Morland, and Fred Olin Ray, conducted by Steve Latshaw. It also had Battle of Blood Island. All three films have the additional TV scenes. As an extra, there are also several Roger Corman trailers. Mike, that's awesome. Uh, I don't know if I was aware of that. I know I've been slimming down and getting rid of a lot of physical media lately, but that actually sounds like a really cool set. Right on. Well, if you want to be cool and write in like Brett or Mike, you can drop me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or step it up a notch. Call and leave us a voicemail at 360-524-2484. And I'll either read your email or play your voicemail on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. Ichiro's legs flew into the air. His tiger-striped board sailed over his head, and a wall of blue water crashed down on him, trying to crush the air out of his lungs. For a moment, he found himself head down in the water column, with a surge of the wave pushing him toward the azure depths below. Somehow, he managed to hold on to the GoPro during the wipeout, but now the camera clenched in his fist kept him from easily righting himself. As he writhed in the deep, a dark shape loomed up out of the blue. In Monster Shark on a Nude Beach, a shy marine biologist must up his game and stop a series of shark attacks at the Caribbean's most famous clothing-optional playground. Award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan brings you this sexy, action-packed summer read, perfect for fans of The Meg and Jaws. Read three chapters free on Amazon. Find out more at buffbeach.com or sdsullivan.com. Bird watchers' attention. This is Alfred Hitchcock. The birds is coming. I'm sure all you cats will enjoy the birds. Watch for the birds. May I have your attention, please? I have been asked to explore the serious side of Alfred Hitchcock. Very likely, I suspect, because I am Alfred Hitchcock. I have chosen to do this through the following serious statement. I want you to see Psycho, a motion picture, exactly the way I originally made it, uncut, with every scene intact. 
especially the famous shower bath scene, which the TV version did not dare show. This occurs 44 minutes from the start of Psycho. Watch for it. And remember, no one will be admitted to see Psycho except from the very beginning. I now leave you with this final serious message. Suggested for mature audiences. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Expert marksman Soga uncovers a sinister conspiracy and is reminded that in battle, a moment of hesitation can become a lethal 0.1 seconds in Ultra 7, episode 36. At an annual sharpshooters contest, Soga's error in the final round costs him the title, which is won by his friend and TDF officer Hirota, who is surprisingly less than gracious in victory. There's no time to dwell on the results, however, as both men are called to a TDF emergency meeting where they learn that members of a terrestrial defense force team who have been researching the properties of an artificial sun are being systematically murdered. The project manager, one Professor Richter, is en route to Japan, and the TDF and UltraGuard are charged with his safe passage. Hirota and Soga are part of a squad that accompanies the professor, but their caravan is attacked by a gang of men in black, and in the ensuing gunfight, Soga observes Hirota apparently assisting the assailants before discovering that the professor has been killed. Soga himself is shot and loses consciousness, and upon being revived in the friendly confines of the TDF Medical Center, is racked with guilt for having failed to protect the professor. Still wounded, he confronts Hirota, who harbors a dark secret, and who proceeds to deliver Soga into the clutches of alien Pega from the 13th planet of Alpha Centauri, who is behind the TDF murders and is eager to use the UltraGuard member to accomplish its nefarious purposes. A lethal 0.1 seconds is an intense and violent episode in the series, which may strike some as an odd description. After all, Ultra 7, week in and week out, is characterized by huge explosions, monster destruction, and laser beam battles. But many of the conflicts in episode 36 are close-range skirmishes, in which conventional guns leave the participants bloody, if not dead. And while this makes for gripping television, it also signals that this series is going for something darker and grittier than its predecessor. Tellingly, there's no kaiju in a lethal 0.1. Instead, Ultra 7 engages in a shootout with a weaponized flying saucer, paralleling the human action. This is Soga's episode all the way, and actor Shinsuke Achiya gives the character such likability that when he's upset or troubled, the viewer feels it, ensuring that the final sequence packs an understated punch. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. I am Dracula.
a moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible, I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 Thousands. Millions of them. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula. The original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat, and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, we are going to meet Derek's girlfriend, Beth. We have already learned that she works in Halloween haunts in the Portland, Oregon area. So we are going to look at one of the longest-running daily haunts in the United States, the Disneyland Haunted Mansion. In FM 82, we find an article previewing this famous amusement park attraction. It was a five-page article with six pictures. Let's hear how the Haunted Mansion was presented to the young 1970 audience. Disneyland's House of Horrors. Visitors have only the chance of a ghost of getting out alive. Are you afraid of ghosts? In 1958, Vincent Price gave a party in the house on Haunted Hill, but few of his guests lived to enjoy it. In 1963, Julie Harris and Claire Bloom were menaced by weird apparitions while spending a horrifying night at Hill House in The Haunting. Now, in 1970, you can spend some time in a haunted house, if If you dare. dare. If you live in California or plan to visit, be sure to see the newest Disneyland attraction, The The Haunted Haunted Mansion. Mansion. The Trouble with Ghosts. Nine years ago, a huge foreboding mansion was constructed in the empty space near New Orleans Square in Disneyland. The idea of a haunted house for the Magic Kingdom had been in Walt Disney's mind as early as 1955, but several problems kept the house from being completed on the original target date in 1961. How do you build a ghost? That was the most difficult problem facing the Disney engineers and artists. How can you make transparent ghosts fly and jump about when you have to have electronic 
gizmos inside them to make them move? A ghost for a host. Another problem was how to get the public into and through the attraction. At first, it was decided that a ghost host or hostess would escort the guests on their semi-mental journey. But this idea was rejected on the grounds that it is easier to spook and scare a small group than a larger one. The great Disney, who sought perfection in everything he did, sent everyone back to their drawing boards to try to come up with a more satisfactory way to present the haunted, the haunted mansion. Other projects, such as the exhibits to be prepared for the 1965 New York World's Fair, pushed the work on the haunted house even further into the background. Gracie the Groovy. It was Yale Gracie, Disneyland's master illusioneer, who was finally able to create the fantastic ghostly effects to be seen in the haunted mansion. Despite warnings from engineers who insisted that his ideas for creating certain ghostly illusions were not feasible, Gracie was able to put them into successful operation. Often, I simply don't know that something couldn't be done, explains Gracie when questioned about his creations. I would develop a concept and gather various gadgets and materials and keep trying until it worked. Living Stone. Disneyland's Haunted Mansion represents the most advanced techniques in the auto-animatronic system, which combines three-dimensional animation and sound through electronics. This is the process that brought back to life Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln, the primeval world of prehistoric dinosaurs, and many other attractions on view at the World's Fair of 1965. Another major innovation in the Horror House is a new form of film, film projection, projection involving stationary statues. At one point in the ride, the public finds itself in a graveyard. Statues appear cold, white, and silent. And then suddenly, the statues spring, spring to, to life. life. They sprout faces, move their lips, and begin to sing. It is all done with Gracie's fantastic film projector. Too, Too scary. scary. Besides dancing statues, the Haunted Mansion also contains demonized doors, elastic rooms, face-changing portraits, floating furniture, statues whose eyes follow your every move, a ballroom floor with gyrating ghosts waltzing, a phantom head which speaks from a crystal ball, a headless guardsman. Not, not to mention, mention ghouls and ghosts of all sizes, shapes, and colors. When we built the illusions, says Gracie, we were surprised to find how effective they actually were. People enjoy being frightened, but we couldn't make the attraction too scary because of the droves of children that would be coming. We decided to add the element of comedy. It's like adding a wink of an eye to the end of a ghost story. Son, Son of the Haunted, haunted house. house. Using refracted images, half-silvered mirrors, auto-animatronics, and projectimation, Gracie and his ghostly helpers designed and built enough illusions to fill the new attraction twice over. The extra spooks will be used to populate the haunted house that is being planned as the first attraction of the new Walt, Walt Disney, Disney World, World in, in Florida. Florida. Because the chills were tempered with comedy, Gracie says, someday, 
I would like to design a, a real, real scare house. house. Some of the illusions that weren't used in the haunted mansion would send chills through anyone, anyone I, know. I know. Let's hope he has more than the ghost of a chance of realizing his frightening ambition. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next time. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. If you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Hurry back. Rest in peace. Be sure to bring your death certificate if you decide to join us. Make final arrangements now. We've been dying to have you. <laughs> Death, eternal punishment for anyone who opens this casket. The mummy. Is it dead or alive? Human or inhuman? You'll know. You'll see. You'll feel the awful, creeping, crawling terror that stands your hair on end and brings a scream to your lips. There's nothing on earth like the mummy. You will not remember what I show you now, and yet I shall awaken memories of love and crime and death. Now I know his horrible plan. He's going to kill her and make her a living mummy like himself. <laughs> Listeners, I have on the show this week somebody that you've heard on the show before. Uh, she was on the show briefly when we did the Conan the Barbarian episode when uh, I was at the theater with Chris McMillan and we recorded a little bit about the movie before we actually sat down to watch it. And we were joined by, well, my girlfriend. Uh, but she's so much more than that. Uh, it's Beth Westbow. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio proper. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here properly for the first time. <laughs> An actual conversation. We're going to talk about you know, classic monster movies. Uh, we're going to talk about haunted houses. <laughs> you are amazing in that you design haunted houses at Scaregrounds this year, which is fantastic. I think that's so cool. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about your background with the haunted house and that sort of thing. But earlier this evening when you came over... You said you actually did some research by like calling friends and all that to talk about some of the, the classic monster movies you may have seen beforehand. What, what are some of the classic monster movies you've seen before you and I started dating? And I started bringing them to you all the time. Most of my classic monster movies came from when I was in high school and our 
honors program would host movie nights as like a fundraiser, and we'd do sell snacks and stuff, and then all the kids would come and watch them. And we'd love to do classic monster movies because they were easy to get a hold of and get permission to show, quite frankly. And lots of the kids hadn't seen them before, so it, it was a new thing to show. We definitely saw Creature from the Black Lagoon that way. Yes. We saw Dracula that way, uh, which was... Very fun, but also very spooky. Uh, same time period, we were also watching a lot of Hitchcock. So everything from the birds to Psycho, you know, and everything in between. And, and just anything we could get our hands on. The Mummy was one that we, that we wow. yeah, watched early on. I think I was a freshman, we saw that, so I probably was hiding my face three quarters of the movie. <laughs> but, it, but yeah, a lot of my early exposure was from friends because it just wasn't something that the people in my family were into necessarily. Nobody's perfect. That's all right. Um, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Uh, listener, she's a little bit younger than I am. Uh, you are technically not Gen X, correct? You're correct. I am just inside the, the cab for millennials, just inside the Ronald Reagan years, if you will. <laughs> Which is awesome, though, that millennials were being exposed to classic monster movies in a high school setting. It wasn't just the animal lark. It was... You know, organized, we all got together and purposely watched classic monster movies. I think that's super cool, just that that's something that happened. Now, granted, I've shown you some of my favorites. <laughs> We've gone over Creature a couple of times. When you said Dracula, you mean the Lugosi, the classic? The Lugosi, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, the classic, yeah. So, so good. You were saying something about Creature earlier that I, I don't think we really talked about us talking about, so but it a, kind of caught my attention. Yeah, I had an English professor that was from Kenya, and so a lot of how they learned what she called Western English, because they do speak English from a young age in Kenya, but, but it's a very Africanized way of speaking it, and they have a lot of nouns and verbs from their local languages that they throw in. And so when they talk about Western English, one of the ways that they learned to speak it was by watching our movies. And they had a lot of old movies that they had early access to there when she was growing up, when VHS was a brand new medium, you know, and one guy in the whole town had a VCR through set. And she really enjoyed watching classic movies. But then she noticed something as she was growing up and went to school in England and everything that sometimes those classic monster movies, and especially the ones that were done in 3D as well, they weren't just on the cutting edge of technology. They also tended to be more progressive in other ways. Like, even though they don't do a perfect job in Creature, the female lead in Creature is so much more empowered than female leads in a lot of other movies that you see. I mean, she is a scientist, yes. She's in a relationship with the guy she's working for, which is, you know, eh, not the greatest. But she is a scientist in her own right, and even the guys say, oh, yeah, she's contributed to all of our findings and, and our scientific research, and, and she is a legitimate person in her own right, and even kind of fights off the monster herself at times, doesn't just have the guys save her. And that was something our teacher used that movie to point out those things, and then to point out that the things they corrected were things that were obvious to men, because still at the time most of the movie producers and execs were all men, so they were trying, but they were trying from their perspective, versus nowadays when we see more female directors and more women in executive positions, you actually get things from a woman's perspective. And so it's, it's an interesting difference, but interesting that at the time they were on the cutting edge, not just of technology and things like special effects, but also just on generally being progressive in the way they put together their movies. 
Heck yeah. Creature for the win. Again. Again. I could talk about like the sexual politics and the gender uh, roles and everything else happening in Creature for hours on end and have on the show. And uh, I'm not going to bore my, my guests this week with that because we've kind of talked about it already anyway. And I'm sure the longer we're together, it's going to come up again and again and again. <laughs> but what we're talking about today, uh, specifically, I wanted to kind of use the Haunted House experience as kind of like the springboard to kind of get to know you a little bit more. Introduce you to the audience a little bit more. Introduce what you're doing to the Monster Kid Radio audience. PDX, is it still PDX Scaregrounds or is it Scaregrounds PDX or it is Park P- Scaregrounds? It is PDX Scaregrounds. So the company that puts on the haunted house is in conjunction with Oaks Amusement Park, which is the oldest amusement park uh, west of the Mississippi River in the United States. Oldest continuous amusement park, over 100 years old, a classic here in Portland, but with all new updated rides. Um, they added several really big-time rides that you would be impressed with at Six Flags or Disneyland or anywhere over the pandemic, so everybody should definitely come down to Oaks Park and check those out. And during the pandemic, we partnered, PDX Scaregrounds partnered with Oaks Park and created the first drive through haunted houses the first year of the pandemic, which was a pretty fantastic and amazing thing at the time. And that has blossomed into a great symbiotic relationship where every year we get to take over a third of their extra parking lots and put on three full-size haunted houses. These are 15 to 25-minute attractions each. You also have the option to buy a pass that includes all the rides. There are games at the park. There's the classic train ride, all of the fun fair food. Anybody that missed the county fair this year, this is your chance to, to still get it in and get the family out there. We do trick-or-treating several of the Saturdays around the park and the different haunted houses and the different games and everything so you can bring the family and we have stuff for literally all ages from toddlers on up to we've had folks in their 90s come through the haunted houses really yeah yeah we have a group that comes from the senior center on their bus like it's a scheduled outing for them every year it's it's pretty wonderful (laughs) Do you dial it back at all for them? No, no, no. They tell you. They're like, go full out. We have we ring the bell and we go full out for the old guys. They're here for it, man. They'll be worried about heart issues. No, nope, nope. They sign the waiver. They're good. <laughs> There's a waiver that you make them sign. Well, when buying the ticket, you know, it's the general waiver that you'd it's, have at any of these parks. It's okay. assumed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're good to go. But no, we, we love doing that. And for me, um, it's an extra special place. PDX Scaregrounds has become like family to me because a little over five, almost six years ago when I was just recovering from both uh, my second bout with cancer and, and doing well just so nobody's worried. I'm doing great today and everything. But I was recovering from you know my second round of treatment with cancer and I'd just gotten out of a really nasty divorce and kind of shaken up my whole world. And uh, I applied for a job with them working in their haunted house. And the, the thought in my brain was, I've survived all these horrible things. I'm going to make a list of all the silly things that scare me. And I'm going to do all of them because these things shouldn't scare me when I've survived all these actually awful, horrible things. So I started checking things off my list, and I decided instead of just going to haunted houses, which had always terrified me since I was a child and got really, really scared at Enchanted Forest, which is right down the road here in Oregon, that I was going to work in a haunted house. I I was going to go for exposure therapy, where if I just force myself to do it, I'll, I'll get used to it. And in fact, what I learned was, although I don't like being scared, I love being the scary thing that goes bump in the night. <laughs> When 
did you start working with it out last year, the year before? Like, how long have you been with doing the haunted house? I believe this is my sixth year with PDX Scarecrounds. Okay, so, um, we originally were up in the Clark County Fairgrounds, up on the other side of the Columbia River, up in Washington State. And then during the pandemic, made the move down to work with Oaks Park. And that has really turned into a fantastic partnership there. Um, and you can check out Oaks Park's stuff. Uh, runs all through September with Oktoberfest and then all through October with PDX Scarecrounds. Or you can go to pdxscaregrounds.com and they'll have the links for tickets for both the haunted houses and for rides and everything else that you would need on there, including dates. We have several family fun days where we open the houses early, specifically for kids and family. On those days during that early afternoon time, we dial it back to a nice level for usually 6 to 12-year-old kids to enjoy, get just a little bit scared and spooky, but nobody's going home needing therapy afterward. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this. Now, obviously, the listeners know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a big old monster kid. I love spooky stuff. I love the haunted house. I love the Halloween. I love all of that. It didn't occur to me, though, and it, and it should have. Of course, somebody has to design and write and create and produce a haunted house. I've done some very, very low-level stuff in that regard, with like a church youth group where we took over the basement of a, a preschool where we were having our youth group meetings and did a very, very limited haunted house thing. And it, it was silly. We made a couple of things floats and, ooh, spooky, you know, whatever. But what you do is just, it blows my mind. It didn't even, like I said, it didn't occur to me. It should have, and I shouldn't be surprised by it. But of course, there's real thought that goes into the really good haunted houses. There's a, you know, you got to design the thing. You've got to do the floor plans and the decor and where the scares are. And I'm fascinated by the story part of it. You know, as a writer, as a creator, that's awesome. And that's something that you're doing this year. Is this this is not the very first year you've done that, though, right? This is actually my second year with doing a lot of the storytelling for the haunt. I came on as like an assistant writer three years ago when we did the drive-throughs and wrote a lot of the script and did a lot of the voiceover work, both for the haunt that I was in as an actor that year, but also I was the voice in a lot of the other haunts, which was super creepy walking to the bathroom and hearing yourself over and over <laughs> again down the line, let me tell you. Uh, but yeah, last year I came on writing uh, more in order to really fully give the haunts a, a full story to follow and, and a progression. And it's something that we've really worked on. This is, I believe, our 11th year PDX Scaregrounds pulling out, putting out three or more full-size haunted houses in the area. And it's definitely started at a place like you were talking about, kind of that church, high school, youth group, you know, putting something on with what they have. But we're just so far beyond that now where walls are not constricting us we actually design our haunts to go under gigantic circus tents so that it doesn't matter where the walls are because we just put them where we want them to be and right. we can bring walls in and take them out and move them around and often we'll even change things mid-season if something's not working right or we just figure out a better way to scare you we may move whole rooms around that's entirely possible um but it is it is an interesting process I came out of a theater background. I had owned a theater company. I've designed dozens and dozens of sets for productions, but I've never designed something where the audience has to be on the set 
until now. You know, that's a whole different experience of one static set that people are looking at, or even maybe sets that you change pieces of behind a curtain and something they have to be able to walk through and experience and experience in different timelines because some people go charging through the haunt and they're out in 10 minutes and other people really take their time and it's a 25 minute stroll, you know, where they're looking at every detail and you have to design for all of those people at the same time. I just find that fascinating and cool and I kind of want to ride a haunted house now somehow. Don't even know how to get into that business, but it sounds amazing. And I was out at, well, what will be the haunt uh, a couple weeks ago, because I accompanied you to a training that you were doing. Mm -hmm. I sat in the corner and wrote a little bit, but even just pulling up and seeing the footprint of what was being built, the different structures being put up. This was not, okay, Oaks Park has an empty building, let's go in there and do something. This is thoughtful construction and layout and design. And to having been with you, uh, we've had several evenings where I'm writing and you're working on a haunt or working on something and you're doing character char character backgrounds and and writing out character sketches or you're drawing out layouts and you've got what looks like a cross between blueprints and a Dungeons and Dragons map out and you're, <laughs> you're drawing things out and figuring out where things are going to go and all that and I just am blown away by it and huge respect I can't wait to see what this particular haunted house is going to look like in particular yours because I'm biased of course but I want to see what Scaregrounds is going to do this year. You keep saying three haunts. There are three haunted house attractions this year. We also have a, a kid area with some different games, and uh, you can you can shoot at zombies. That's really fun in one of them, and and some other kind of classic fair games. But the three main attractions this year are uh, Silver Scream, which is an homage to all the best slasher flicks of the '80s and '90s. So you'll get to see lots of your favorite movie sets and scenes in that one and be attacked by a lot of monsters you're going to recognize from your childhood if you're a millennial or a Gen Xer. <laughs> then our second haunt is The Complex. And, um, you know, it was this great scientific research center, but something's gone wrong and the government's just had to lock that down. But we're going to send you in to check out what's going on and report <laughs> back for us because uh, we're going to stay right out here. Yeah, you go right in and see what's going on. And then last but not least, and uh, close to my own heart as, as it is my own little haunted baby this year, is Grimthorn Manor. And I think for you monster kids, this is the one where you're really going to fall in love. We've got a wolf man and his son. You know, it's really hard to be the son of the wolf man. He's a pretty impressive guy. And living up to dad's, you know, expectations, that's... That's, that's a lot to answer for, so, you know, you'll have to come and see how he does. Uh, we definitely have um, some uh, interesting plants, you know, that just would like to get up close and personal <laughs> and have a nice uh, sniff and smell of you. You might recognize some of those from there. Uh, now, the master, of course, has invited you all to come and check out this house. Now, I don't want any of you to get nervous. Yes, this was the site of the 1847 Grimthorne Massacre. But look, that was almost 200 years ago. That was a long time ago. And there have been very few unexplained deaths on the property since that time. So, you come on down. <laughs> just ignore that, uh, that ghostly apparition at the beginning. You know, yes, sometimes clawed hands come out of the pond. It's fine. Just keep walking. You don't need to worry about that. It, it, it'll be fine. 
Uh, yeah, but definitely come on down. If anyone has an issue with, you know, arachnophobia, you know what? Just come on down. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Come on down to Grimthorne Manor and see us. <laughs> um, I don't want to give anything away. And, and to be fair, listeners, she's not revealed a lot to me personally. <laughs> I think she thinks she's going to put me through this thing. And she thinks she's going to tell all of her hot buddies, <laughs> that big guy over there, that's my boyfriend, get him. I think she thinks that's going to happen. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 like, like mugshots haven't already been passed around. Yeah, we've only been dating like six or so months here at this, maybe seven <laughs> at this point. Come on. Anyway, uh, she's not giving me a lot of spoilers, but I have picked up on a few things, and, and I'm not going to say anything myself either. But it definitely feels like it's got... Some old Dark House vibes. Definitely. Which is, you know, key. Uh, uh, it's a touchstone for monster kid, you know, monster movies. T- old Dark House stuff. There's some creepy, weird science happening. Oh, yes. Definitely. Uh, again, another hallmark touchstone trope, if you will. Uh, and then you mentioned the, the spiders and wolfmans and claws coming out of the pond and things like that. So, yeah, this one feels... Like, it's an environment that I want to go check out. I'm always torn with these haunted houses, though, because there's always the, the jump scares and the spooks and everybody wanting to, you know, there's the big guy that's making pee himself. You know, and, and, I, and I get that. That's, that's part of it. But I just want to go and see the thing. And that is something, I will say, that separates your kind of... Uh, Beginner level tier haunted house that, that a high school's putting on or, or a youth group or something's putting on from these professional productions. You know, when you're paying for that ticket, it really is for a professional level production. One thing that we're really, really proud of at Scaregrounds PDX is we don't pay anyone that works for us less than $16 an hour. And that's even, you know, teenagers coming in for a part time job. We believe that they're worth just as much. If they're putting in the time and effort, we believe that they're deserving of equal pay. And what you get from that is a higher quality actor and a higher quality performer that really gives you their best. And then when we're designing and when we're decorating, we want it to be an enjoyable experience for everybody. Not everyone is easily scared. And we realize some people are going to do a lot of looking around and looking at the finer details. So when we're designing, my plans have stuff like crown molding detailed in and uh, what color light bulb we're using in lighting fixtures and where those are going to be. We're adding in sound effects. We're actually doing all the same things that the classic monster movies did with saying, what would this sound like in real life? Because the person doing it, or what do people expect it to sound like? Because the person doing it can't make that sound, so we need to add that sound in from the side or something. Or what... If this house is happening in the 1840s, what kind of fabrics and what kind of lighting is available? Well, not electricity, so we're going to have to change things around and accommodate for that. Anything we can do to keep you in the story, we're going to do. Because really our big goal, and one thing we actually test ourselves on, we were doing this week, we take a compass into the haunt and we make sure that it's set so it points north and we know what direction we start and then we cover it up when we start walking. And when we get about halfway through, we want to see if we can guess what direction we're facing. And the goal is not to be able to guess, because if we can turn ourselves around so far that we don't know where we're facing, 
you're pretty turned around. And once you're turned around, we've got you. And you're in our world and we can play with you all we want. Which is what you're paying for in reality, right. for us to play with you. So we use all those same tricks that they use in the classic m- monster movies of suspenseful music leading you up to the next big scare or colors sh- slowly shifting and changing as we move into a different section of the story. Um, things to draw you forward. We all, of course, in a haunted house, you got to keep moving. If everything stops, we're in trouble. So we do subtle things to draw you forward, but we always want to make it part of the story. And, and that, for me, is the really fun part. We literally last year started on November 5th planning for this year. So we take all of four days off a year, you know, before, and most of that is taking down the old haunt, to be honest, before we're planning for the very next year. And I'm already um, in my haunted house designs uh, for... 2023 i'm already starting to take submissions from groups that want me to design stuff for them for next year so it really is a year-round uh process which is great because it means you get to play with monsters all year round what could be better (laughs) heck yeah heck yeah yeah in fact since we've been dating you've taken on at least one job yeah kind of a consulting design something for uh, for a church wasn't it uh yes uh, yep i mean how cool is that to say I just got paid. I'm a professional haunted house designer. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know if it's a career that I'm necessarily wanting, but man, I want to ride a haunted house. <laughs> I want to be involved somehow. And I, I'm going to be out there a little bit. I'm going to be working the ticket booth a little bit. As she said, though, they started planning this year's haunt last year. So I couldn't get in on the ground floor to help with any sound stuff. But I've been talking to them. So we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. I think for next year, that's definitely something we're going yeah. to see if we can yeah. add in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it does sound like the visuals are going to be amazing. And I can't wait. I've looked into the company that's putting this together, uh, the company behind PDX Scaregrounds. They're a, a full-on production company. They work on film. They do displays. They do something with the uh, the big Christmas antique fleet market, whatever the heck that, mm-hmm. that show's called. They do a bunch of Santa Villages stuff. So they do a lot of full-on production and it looks like this is the thing they just look forward to every year. They just let everything rip. Uh, is that the right word? Yeah. Just let it rip, man. And they, they just have a good time. So you talked about yours. Um, we talked a little bit about the Silver Scream and uh, the, the complex. Mm-hmm. But there's also walk-around characters as well. Yes. Yeah, so we actually have 60 live actors wow. uh, on staff plus uh, another around 60 individuals working in other jobs like taking your tickets and providing security and making sure all the things that are plugged in stay plugged in and working throughout the night, you know. But um, from those 60 actors, around 20 of them are actually actors in full costume walking around there to interact with you, there to take selfies, there to be on your TikTok. You can't have your phone on inside the haunts, but you can definitely have it on out in the scare park and on the rides. And if you want to ride the kitty boats with Beetlejuice, you can ride the kitty boats with Beetlejuice, you know, or uh, <laughs> pose for selfies by the sewer grate with the clown from it. Yep, absolutely. Pennywise is there for you and ready to go. That's cool. And the other thing that I find fascinating, and something, again, when you told me y'all were doing it, I thought, oh, of course, it makes sense, but it's not something I ever thought about. You're pretty darn 100% ADA. We are, in fact, 100% ADA um, compliant. Um, We have people in wheelchairs come through every year. If your power wheelchair happens to be 
too wide. Most of our haunts are, for the most part, we try to leave four feet all the way through. But if your wheelchair is too wide, we do have a service chair available that you can transfer into. And then we'll help take your chair around to the end of the haunt and meet you there with it. We have security personnel who can do that. Um, and, you know, we also have options. If you do have kids who maybe really want to come to the home, but they're just not sure, they can come along with the family, and we have glow sticks available. And any single individual holding a glow stick, that individual will not be directly scared. We'll still scare the other people in your party, but we're going to leave that individual alone, so it does allow for everyone to enjoy it. One of my favorite things every year, we have a group of kids from the Washington School for the Deaf come through, and they have a blast and that's a tricky group to scare because they can hear you coming let me tell you <laughs> how, how they get you by movement they get you by all kinds of if you breathe on them you can be right up next to them and you breathe they're like i can feel your breath right into your face wow. they catch if you move the wall it's huh. pinpoint um we've had all kinds of groups come through every everything from um, people here on vacation from foreign countries and they come through with a tour group with the little flags just like they're at Disneyland and then you're, it turns out scaring doesn't uh, know a language. You can, you can say boo and it works for pretty much anybody <laughs> if you're terrifying enough. But yeah, all kinds of folks enjoy scaring all ages, all ability levels. Uh, I have red hat grandma groups that come through fully dressed in their red hats and ready to be scared. Um, we have a couple nuns that come every year because they enjoy it. So it, it, it takes all types, and, and we'll meet everybody where they're at and make sure you have a good time. That's awesome. So my experience going to haunted houses in a bigger city like this, because uh, it's, it's very different in places like Bozeman, Montana, or Cheyenne, Wyoming, or other places I've been growing up. Uh, my experience with haunted houses here has pretty much been with Fright Town, mm -hmm. which is another one of these, which is a great production. I'm, I'm glad they're back. Not sure how they're doing or what they're doing this year, but I know they're back. But they're somebody that kind of moved into a space and kind of did, took over mm -hmm. the space and that sort of thing. And you actually got started early. I've worked with some of uh, the guys from Fright Town at the very beginning and, and fantastic people. And honestly, the more haunting in the Portland area, sure. the better, in my opinion, because it gives more opportunities for more actors you know, one of my favorite things every year is both that we have veteran actors come back, but also that we see new actors. Sometimes they come from other haunts like that. Um, one of our new haunt managers this year is a transplant from California. Now, usually, as a Washingtonian, I'd be against that. But in this case, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll let her come on board because she's a fantastic scarer and actor and manager. But, yeah, we, we get people from those groups, and we send people out to them. And really, just like any art, the more of it in an area, the better the art is going to be. Sure. And it really is, uh, to us performers, an art. You know, we, we obsess over every little detail I've been spending the last three nights making an underskirt for my costume because mine didn't get here from China, and I will be right for opening night, darn it. I'm not waiting a week to have the full costume. I can, so. I can vouch for that. I can yeah. vouch for that. It's a lot of tool. <laughs> <laughs> but we would take a lot of pride in what we do, and we do consider it an art, and, and we are very, very honored to perform for the people that come out and spend money with us and give us their time and attention. Um, and we would love to see you out at the scaregrounds at Oaks Poke park this season for sure and where i was going with this this whole freight town thing i did the drive-through yep but i don't think i've ever gone to pdx care rounds proper and again going back to when i went out there for you with you for that training the, these structures are being put up 
I have long time felt that there needs... I, I would love there to be a haunted house theme park. A Halloween theme park. Year-round. I'm not going to get it. I know that. The rest of the world isn't as cool as people like you and I. I get it. But to go to basically a theme park that has been a haunted houseified, Halloweenified, it's Oak Park with all the rides, you've got the walk-around monsters, you've got the haunted houses, you're going to have the screams, the people in costumes, not just the performers, but I'm sure people, come, you know, the guests coming out. It's basically turning a theme park into a haunted place and yes. a Halloween place. That idea just sounds so cool. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that come to life. Heck, listeners, I'm recording this on Tuesday night. Tomorrow night on Wednesday night, I'm going in for some training for my ticket booth stuff. I can't wait to see what it looks like. Heck, I'll bring my recorder with me, and maybe on my way home, I'll turn on the recorder and just give you my impressions. You know, put that in this week's episode. But I'm really looking forward to seeing just everything kind of come together. You can watch a YouTube video of a local news personality go through the haunted house and get scared. That's cool. And we do enjoy doing that. Don't get me wrong, but there is nothing better than yeah, coming yourself. There I want to really see it in person. I want to. I want to hear it. I want to feel it. I want to smell the the bad food that I know I shouldn't be eating. Uh, you know, being cooked all around me. I want to see the people in costumes, even you know the teenage girls who think that you know they have different <laughs> philosophies regarding Halloween costumes than I do. You know, whatever. I'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing. I really I just told my girlfriend I want to see teenage girls in costume. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> Speak, anyway. Speaking of which, though, we'd love for you to come down to the park in costume. Absolutely. Okay. In fact, a couple of the Saturdays, we have Halloween costume contests going on, and you can win prizes. Um, we do ask that whatever your costume is, the mask needs to be removable because we do need to be able to see your face when you're going through the haunted house. And for right now, we are asking that everyone wear a protective face mask while going through the haunted houses because they are interior spaces. When you're outside, you can have it off. That's fine. But we are asking for masks inside, as that is what the CDC and the state of Oregon is recommending. To follow up on that, uh, I spoke to one of the higher ups, the people mm -hmm. that hired me and I'm under the training with. Um, Almost the entire staff is completely vaccinated. Everybody that's going to be in an interior space is completely vaccinated. Uh, so, yeah, it, it should be totally safe. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it's a haunted house. Yes, it's a closed-in space. But everybody working inside there is protected and is keeping your safety in mind. So just got to throw that out there. Yeah, safety is really important to us, and we do have, just uh, for your peace of mind, we also have medical staff on site. Um, we have first aid staff on site on every single one of the haunts, and there's always someone available, and we're very conscientious about that because the goal is to have fun. The goal is never for anybody to get hurt or to, go, to get so scared that there's a problem. But, yeah, no, we're just really excited for the season and to have an amazingly great time to bring some classic monsters back to Oaks Park again and... Uh, to see a few new things this year. Yeah, there's a few new surprises in store. You definitely want to come down and check them out. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about Halloween in general with you. Okay. This is our first Halloween together. It is. And I know it's going to be incredibly busy. I know that we're going to still try to squeeze some things in, maybe a trip to Halloween Town, mm -hmm. which is something I've never done. But listeners, if it does happen, you know I'm taking my recorder with me. Um, <laughs> God, I hope we can make it happen. You know, and the movies and all that. What are some things that you, Beth, haunted house designer, theater person, somebody who's got some classic monsters in her background, 
but also into all sorts of nerdy things. What do you do to get in the spirit for Halloween? So for me, Halloween has always been a time when you you could really try out being whoever you wanted. Whether that meant trying out what it was like to be a, a character that you loved or trying dressing up and trying out a profession that you loved. Um, often when I was growing up for school, we would have to dress as a character from a book. That would be the requirement. You couldn't just dress as anything. It had to be something from a book. And so then you got to embody that character for a while. But it was really getting to try out all these different personalities. And the fun thing about it was for at least that day or that night, all the grown-ups, everyone played along with you. They let you be that person, and they treated you as if you really were that person. And I guess for me, the number one, like, the best Halloween I ever had was when I was five years old. And um, this will give you an idea of exactly when I was five years old. I was dressed as She-Ra, Princess of Power. <laughs> Not the new cartoon, kids, although I love that, too, and you should all go watch it. But the original came out with He-Man, you know, She-Ra, Princess of Power. I had the sword. I had the whole outfit. Um, I'm a ginger, so I didn't have the blonde wig. My mom just curled my hair, and I was not terribly happy about that. I felt like I needed blonde hair in order to be She-Ra, Princess of Power. But she was like, no, no, it'll be good, it'll be good. And I walked up the hill to our neighbor's house to trick-or-treat. And guess who opened the door? None other than my favorite singer on the entire planet, Miss Dolly Parton. I did not know that my neighbor was related to Dolly Parton, and she happened to be there for a visit. And so me, dressed up as She-Ra, Princess of Power, with my sword, which had the sound effects and light up, mind you, uh, I did get Dolly Parton is answering the door, and I'm trick-or-treating, and I'm now, like, hyperventilating, and because she's my favorite person on the whole planet, and I have her records, and, and she immediately, oh, who are, oh, you're She-Ra, oh, She-Ra's here, and all just treated me just like I was actually She-Ra, and so... One, Dolly Parton is uh, the queen of music for me and always will be. And she made a little five-year-old's fantasy come true. But, but also Halloween in general did that. Halloween made dreams come true. And I think for a lot of us, Halloween gave us the chance as kids to dream and be something different and better. And so when we hit that time of year as grown-ups, we, we're nostalgic for that. We, we want still to dream and to be something better and something more. And Halloween gives us that, and that's why we feel special. The way that some people feel very special around Christmas, for those of us that are dreamers and had to really kind of reach for things, I think Halloween does that for us. I've never heard the Dolly Parton story. Oh. <laughs> this is new to me. <laughs> but you knew I love Dolly. I know you love Dolly, <laughs> um, but I had no idea. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know how to move out of that into anything else. So I, I want to bring this to a close then. Because that's, that's just amazing. How cool is that? Um, and also a really well-spoken, a well-worded uh, representation, I guess, or explanation as to why Halloween is so special to people like us. We, I love the classic monster movies. I, I love them. But even before I realized I was a monster kid, I loved Halloween. I loved dressing up as, as my favorite characters. Yeah, these days I'm all like, you got to be a monster. Urgh, spooky. There are so many pictures of me as a kid dressed up as Zorro, as a robot. As I've been fan. Zorro, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did Darth Vader one year. I don't know if there's a picture of me of Darth Vader or not, but I did Darth Vader one year. I was a pirate. Arr, you know, we even had the, the little clip-in earring oh that, my goodness. that I had an allergic reaction to. Oh, my, no. my, my blow up so big. 
But um, that was the end of your career in piracy. <laughs> and and wearing a big loopy earring. Um, <laughs> I remember specifically my best friend at the time. His name is Bobby. He dressed up as Dracula, and we would go trick or treating and. He would always say, I want to suck your blood instead of trick or treat. <laughs> and I would say, oh, he's just being a pain in the neck. And I thought, <laughs> we, we thought we were so funny. I would have laughed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were. I was a dork. Um, but it was Bobby at Bobby's house that I saw my first classic monster movie. It was where I first saw Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh. So that was my first universal monster. I knew, And I've told the listeners this. And I think I've I shared... So I, I knew the stories of Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, all of this stuff, because I had read about them in this series of books, this Crestwood House books, uh, that were in the school libraries in the sixties and, of, or excuse me, in the seventies, and just stayed there. <laughs> so I experienced them myself, and I knew those stories. So when I saw I went to Frankenstein, I was mesmerized, man. I was over there at Bobby's house with his dad, watching it. Driving them nuts because we're watching the thing, and Abbott Costello is like the eighth movie in that whole cycle. I knew all the other stories leading up to that, and of course I had to make sure Bobby and his dad knew those stories, so I would not shut up <laughs> telling them these stories about you know, these movies that came out in the forties and thirties and all that. I was like, yeah, I was a dork. I was such a dork, and I, 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 I don't care. Where am I going with this? I don't know, just the, you know, it, it gave you something to be excited about, I think. Now. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it gave you a place to be creative, a direction for creativity. And I think with my writing, for sure, and you found a way to be part of that with the haunt, with the haunted house stuff. We don't have like an official website for Beth or anything right now, although I would love to help make that happen <laughs> because we definitely, I say we, I know Beth would love to do more haunted house design. Yes. So stay tuned, listeners. At some point, I'll probably start blabbing about a website or at least a <laughs> Facebook page where she can design haunted houses for you. But in the meantime, this Halloween, this October, how long does it run? Obviously for Halloween. So we are opening this Friday, September 30th, and we are running through Monday, October 31st, every weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, haunts open at 7 p.m. and they close normally at midnight, 11 on Sundays, because we got to get the little haunted uh, school children home and into bed. But then the week before Halloween, we are open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So it is a lot of spooky and scariness all the way through Halloween. You should get your tickets early. Last year, we were sold out for Halloween by halfway through the month. Okay, okay. Uh, what's the website address again? It is www.pdxscaregrounds.com. And there will be a link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net, obviously. Uh, so we'll make sure there's a link to that. And, you know, since I'm going to be going to the haunt pretty much every weekend as well, there will be some haunt talk in the podcast every week. Whether it's me coming home exhausted <laughs> some night and I'm just blabbering into my phone as I'm driving from... Portland to Vancouver, or maybe I sit down and maybe halfway through the season, if we can catch a breath, we'll do kind of like a check-in or something. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, definitely, we, I, I want to help promote this thing, because I've what I've seen and what I've heard sounds amazing, and I, I just, I want more 
experiences like this for people. So please, check it out if you're in the area. Uh, make a special trip. Just plan ahead and buy your ticket ahead of time. Okay, a couple of things here, folks. First of all, no, I did not record on the way back home from the training that I went to. I was just wiped out. So I wanted to focus on driving instead of fiddling with a recorder while driving. I figured you'd be okay with that. Anyway, I did go to training that night, and I did check the place out, and they were still putting everything together. It's really neat to see the structures starting to come together and come to life. I wasn't allowed to walk through the structures themselves because they were an active construction site. These are not flimsy walls put up in a tent or whatever. These are solid structures that are being built. And as I'm recording this right now, Beth is actually at PDX Scaregrounds at Oaks Park right now doing the dress rehearsal. So I'm looking forward to hearing about it later on tonight when she gets home. We're going to have dinner together and uh, I, I can't wait to hear about how the dress rehearsal went. I won't be there tomorrow night when everything opens up. However, I will be there on Saturday and Sunday manning the ticket booth with some fellow ticket booth operators. Now, after we recorded, Beth sent me a message about how if you want to volunteer, you still can. If you want to volunteer at the haunt, it's not too late, okay? There are some requirements. Got to be 16 or older. If you're 16 or 17, you need a parental signature, of course. You've got to be vaccinated with at least one booster, and you've got to be able to stand on your feet for five hours. Black pants, shirt, shoes, and they put you in costume and makeup. You don't do any of that. They do that to you. You'd be paired up with an experienced scare buddy and receive instructions on how to scare effectively. Go to the PDX Scaregrounds website for more information on volunteering. And again, that is Scaregrounds pdx.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Also in the show notes, you're going to see something cool because check this out. I talked to my trainer yesterday about doing this episode of Monster Kid Radio and she gave us a code. If you want to save two bucks to go to Scaregrounds, you've got a code. It's Monster Kid Saves. All one word, capital M, capital K, capital S. So Monster Kid Saves. $2 off your ticket. And you know what? I'm going to make it even easier, okay? Go to tinyurl.com slash mkrscaregrounds. That'll take you straight to where you can get your discounted tickets. Save two bucks to go check out The Haunt. I'm really looking forward to seeing it all in action. And, you know, when I go in on Saturday night, I know I'm going to see it. I know I'm going to hear it. I may not get a chance to actually walk through the attraction myself, but just seeing it from the outside should be pretty darn cool. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited about this October this year. I got a lot of big plans for things that I want to do with Beth, for things that I want to do on my own. Just all sorts of really cool things happening in October. It's a magical, magical time. <laughs> Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Come on, take it all out. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified, 
but hilariously. Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tagging along. Thanks for being part of what we do here every week on the show. You know, I wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't for you. I know I joke a lot about how Monster Kid Radio is one of these things that, you know, I talk about monster movies all the time. Anyone with my friends might as well record it. Even if I wasn't podcasting, I would be talking about this stuff and have these conversations. I want to reverse this a little bit because I feel like that takes a little bit of the, uh, the reason for what I do away from, well, you, you're the reason I do this. Thank you for being part of the show, for downloading, for sharing, for retweeting tweets and posting on Facebook and giving us shout outs on message boards. I see you, Bill Mize. Still need to get you on the show, man. I just really appreciate everything that you do for me. Thank you. You know, October is looking to be a very, very busy time. Working two jobs and, you know, just trying to get everything in and everything done and some things in my personal life that I really want to kind of move forward on as well. There's just a lot going on in October. And honestly, at one point, I considered taking a break. I considered putting the show on hiatus. Financially, I just need to do a lot more to bring in some more money and, you know, Patreon and all that only does so much. I just, I really considered taking a break even though it's october even though it's the most magical time of the year I, I really considered it but i get emails from people that i've never heard from before that i've always wanted to talk to i have amazing guests come on the show and i'm not just talking about my girlfriend beth i have the feedback that i see on facebook and on twitter i have the community that's kind of propped me up when i feel like i'm overwhelmed and i just i need a break this has been awesome Thank you for making me feel like October is doable. We're going to have an amazing month. I can't tell you what we're recording this month for the show. I have zero clue. No idea. Uh, <laughs> I have something lined up for the first week of November, but for October, I got nothing. So stay tuned to monsterkidradio.net or Facebook or Twitter, where we will announce what we're talking about on next week's show as soon as I figure it out. You can find links to all these things over at monsterkidradio.net. We're going to find links to everything that we've talked about here on the show. Everything about PDX Scaregrounds, the code to get $2 off your ticket to go to Scaregrounds, our Amazon affiliate links. So if you pick up anything on Amazon, not just the things that I've got special buttons for, but anything that you want to buy from Amazon, please use our Amazon affiliate link because it sends a few bucks to us. Well, a few cents to us, and it really helps keep the lights on and helps me, you know, stay on top of my bills. So that's really helpful as well. Got links to our Discord, our Reddit, our Patreon, so many different ways to get involved with and connect with Monster Kid Radio. Even though I'm not going to be there because I'm going to be working, we are still going to be running movies every Saturday on the Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Monster Kid Radio. Pop on in. 
watch some movies, chat it up with your fellow fans. It's the only time I'm going to say it's okay to talk during a movie because we got that chat going. It's going to be going live on Saturday. We got Jekyll and Hyde or Jekyll and Hyde or however you pronounce it. And Hyde is happening on Saturday. And then on Tuesday, we switch it up and we show some sci-fi movies. The Twitch channel typically runs nonstop. I take it offline for a few hours, typically the day before the changeover to the new schedule, just so that I can rebuild everything. But tune in, check it out, subscribe, follow, thumbs up, whatever it is you do on Twitch. Can you thumbs up on Twitch? I don't know if you can. But you can thumbs up on YouTube and Monster Kid Radio's on YouTube as well. All right. I want to go ahead and sign off by reminding you. The Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song The Grill Who Yelled at Me. That is from the band Who the Ghost. It's copyright 2022. You can find it on their album, you have to be quiet and not eat things. You can find them over at hulaghost.bandcamp.com or look up hula.ghost on Instagram as well. So go check it out. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.